Hey everybody, you're listening to the Poema Church Podcast. Today we're sharing a message from our latest series. We believe the Word of God in Scripture is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website, poemachurch.ca. Can we get into the Word this morning? Again, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Matt Shuttlesworth. Yes, and we are dismissing the kids. It's on my notes, but I haven't looked yet. We are dismissing the kids at this moment. I'm not used to that. I'm only seven weeks into this. Pastoring at New Song Church, that is. If you don't know, my wife and I have just recently transitioned uh, to senior pastors here at New Song Church, as well as my wife and I pastor in Hamilton at Poema Church, and have been doing that for the last three years. Three years, I can't believe it already. COVID really took time away from us and uh, just fast-forwarded everything. I, uh, someone came that hasn't come to church in three years. They came to the lake day yesterday, and I didn't really recognize their children because I haven't seen them in two and a half years. So we're going to get into the word this morning, and we are in our last week of a series that we have been calling The Wilderness. The Wilderness. Everybody say The Wilderness. And so we are going to finish our series today. And then just a reminder, and I know uh, Pastor Diana will tell you at the end of service as well, that next week there is no service online. There is no service in person as well. So enjoy it. We call it a Sabbath Sunday. And what that simply is, is we just love to observe, ob- observe the Sabbath. Sabbath? Wow, my mouth is dry. We love to observe the Sabbath. There it goes. And uh, so we give our volunteers a break as well as it's summertime and nobody comes to church anyway. So let's get into the word this morning. Matthew 3, if you have your Bible, 13 through 17, says this. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Let's pause there for a moment and let's start the new chapter. Chapter four. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And if you've ever fasted before, has anybody ever fasted before longer than a day and a half? Like actually fasted and you were just on liquids. I've done uh, 21 days of liquids and it's not fun, but something special happens. And so Jesus here is fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And I love the subtleness of the Bible because it says this. He was hungry. Imagine if you hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, you would be hungry. 
After 21 days, that's all I could think of. After four hours, all I could think of was food. He didn't have any for 40 days and 40 nights. It says the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. The devil's quoting scripture now. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Can we pray this morning? God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that as we dive in, Lord, that you would open up our ears to hear, that you would open up our eyes to see, that you would open up our hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. So God, we just thank you for everything that you're doing. I pray, Lord, that you would speedily heal our sunburns in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Does anybody remember VHS tapes? Do I have people old enough to, to know a VHS tape? There's a few of us. I, I am dating myself a little bit, but VHS tapes, do you remember VHS tapes when you rented them? What did you have to do when you took them back to the store? You had to rewind them. Now, our, our, our kids these days, my kids have no clue what it means. They don't even understand TV and why there's commercials because everything's been so on demand for so long. But when you think about it back in VHS tapes, does anybody remember the movies that were so long that they were double tapes? Does anybody remember that? Braveheart was one of them. The Ten Commandments. Titanic, I believe, was one of them. Casablanca. Gone with the Wind. Now there's some old movies there. The Sound of Music. And, and the best movie ever made, The Godfather. They were all double tapes. And if you've ever watched any of those movies... And if you've ever watched any of those things, at some points, you finish the first tape at that point. We finished the first tape, and that was the time where everybody got to go to the bathroom. That was the time where everybody remade popcorn. That was the time where everybody put their kids to bed if they weren't in bed already. And then at some point later on, you got to the second tape. And at some points, when you put the second tape in, you got to the point where you're like, wait, what's happening? How did we get here? Because I don't remember how the last one ended. And in some cases, the last one and the next one didn't connect. It was a whole nother act of the story. We transitioned from the first tape to the second tape and there was a whole nother act and there was a whole nother thing and we got to the point where we asked, how did we get here? How did we get, like, what is going on? We need a, a review of the first tape to understand the second tape. Well, here's what's happening in chapter three and chapter four of what we just read in Matthew. 
In chapter three, it's all about Jesus's baptism. It's this incredible moment. He's in perfect fellowship with his father. But then we take the pause, we make the popcorn, we go to the bathroom, we take the break, we put the kids to bed, and then we get to chapter four and like, how did we get here? He was just in perfect fellowship with his father, and now he's in the wilderness. How did we get to this point? We look at it as though the act has changed. And have you ever wondered about chapters and verses in the Bible? Have you ever wondered if the writers put them there or we put them there to help ourselves later on? Because chapters and verses, and although they're incredible for helping us find scriptures and find passages and find certain things, can sometimes help us miss the context by the way that it's broken up. And we have to understand the idea of chapters and verses were helpful for us to navigate. But sometimes they can be a hindrance and stop us from getting the context of what it is trying to say in the passage. What we can tend to do sometimes is we can focus on the single chapter. And I know Bible reading plans have been incredible at that. Where we focus on the chapter, we focus on the thing, and we think about it as an isolated in, uh, event. But in all actuality, it's not an isolated event. It should be looked at together. And we have to understand that as we end chapter three and go to chapter four in this moment, these aren't singular events, but this is simply, and I'm gonna uh, put this out there, this is one event. Can I say that this is one event and that we have to view it at at this way? Because God has given us clues in this moment as to how we might face things as a believer. He's given us clues. He's letting us know that if we are to live this life of faith, if we are to live this journey that we are on, there is a path that your life will go through. And a lot of times it will go through a wilderness. See, there's a connection between the two chapters. There's a connection in this moment between the water that he has been baptized in and the wilderness that he's walking into. And we have to recognize the water and the wilderness. Now, maybe for for help of saking, uh, for for sake of helping us today, we should look at Mark chapter one verses nine through thirteen. And if you have your Bible, we can look at that. Mark verse, uh, chapter one verses nine through thirteen. It says, "At the time that Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John." In the Jordan, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heaven being torn apart or torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased at once. The spirit sent him out. Wait a second. There's no break there. It says at once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended to him. See, I begin to wonder in this moment, I begin to wonder as I'm reading about this, this one moment he's being baptized, but in the next moment he's in a battle. 
In this one moment, he's being baptized in the water. It's this incredible moment. The next moment, he's in a battle. There's this one moment where he's in true comfort, and the next moment, he's in total conflict. There's this one moment where he's in complete community, and then in the next moment, he's in complete isolation. It's this one moment where he's hearing the voice of heaven, and in the next moment, he's hearing the voice of hell. This one moment, he's in the water. And the next moment, he ends up in the wilderness, facing warfare. One moment of great faith, the next moment, stepping into fear. And I think sometimes uh, this is how it can be with church. We come to church and we're worshiping God and everything is great. We're experiencing God's power. We're experiencing God's presence. And then Monday comes and we walk back into the wilderness called our jobs, called our kids on summer break. We walk back in to the wilderness. How many know that we all know what it's like to go from the water to the wilderness? We all know what it's like to go from these moments where God's presence is there, where we're feeling uh, his power in these moments, and then we walk back out the doors to the wilderness. Before we talk about what happened in the wilderness, we actually need to talk about what happened in the water. I think it's important that we understand this because the water is significant. The water is a place where your identity is confirmed. The water is a place where your identity is confirmed. It's a place where you find out who you are, and it's a place where you find out whose you are. You say, well, that doesn't bode well with the, 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 the culture of the world. That's another story. And I'm not going to preach on that today, but someday we will get there. Because it's in the womb that you are formed. It is in the womb. Everybody say the womb. It is in the womb that you are formed. Jeremiah 1 verses 4 through 5 says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before. I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah, God knew him in this moment. He knew him before. He knew him in the womb. He knew him in this moment. Identity is formed in the water. Now we have to understand the baptism of Jesus was a big deal. It was a very big deal. The Bible says that when Jesus got baptized, that the heavens opened up. The heavens opened up. When the heavens opened up, when heavens open up in our moments, in our lives, the atmosphere shifts. How many's ever had an open heaven moment? An open heaven moment where you feel the atmosphere shift. You feel the temperature change. You know that something is about to break through. You know that something's going to come through on the other side. Now, I know when I take a bite of Chick-fil-A that the atmosphere shifts. There's something heavenly about that chicken. Maybe it's because they are believers. I don't know. But the heavens open up when I take a bite of Chick-fil-A. But when the heavens open up, something is about to happen. When the heavens open up, something is about to shift. When the heavens open up, something is about 
to change. We need the heavens to open up so that God can speak a word into us. We need the heavens to open up so God can speak into us, to speak into where we're going, to speak into who's coming next in our lives that we need to be a witness to, that we need to tell our story to. The heavens need to open up. And I believe that's why you came to church today, not because well, it's just another day to play church. We don't play church. Not because you wanted to play church, but because you wanted the heavens to open up on your life to experience God's goodness, his power and his presence. Some of you have been going through hell and you need the heavens to open up on your life. You need the heavens to open up on your situation. I know Jesus baptism was a big deal simply because of who showed up in that moment. Because Jesus' baptism was a big deal for the first time and only time in the New Testament that the entire Godhead showed up. The entire Godhead showed up. God the Father was making a declaration. God the Son was in the water and the Holy Spirit was descending like a dove. The baptism was important because of who showed up. When the Holy Trinity shows up, you know it's a big deal. Now, God the Father, in that moment, he was not just speaking random words. He was declaring. Everybody say declare. declare. He was declaring truth. He was speaking something that was needed going into the wilderness. And what was that? What did he speak before Jesus went into the wilderness? What did the Holy Spirit come down? What did God speak in that moment? And we have to get a hold of this no matter what situation we're in, no matter what we're walking through. Here's one thing. If you leave with one thing today, I want you to hold on to this. I want you to write this down to make a note in your phone. It's this. And I want you to say them with me. I am loved. I am a child of God. And he is pleased with me. I am loved. I am a child of God. And he is pleased with me. If you leave with nothing else today, leave with that implanted on your heart. That I am a child of God. I am loved. And he is pleased with me. I am a child of God. No matter what, I am a child of God. I am loved. And he is pleased with me. We have to get this. We have to hold on to this no matter what you are facing. That You are loved. You are a child of God and that he is pleased with you. He's pleased with you. The day you get this, it'll change the way you walk into a room. It'll change the way that you walk into your workplace. It'll change the way that you walk into the wilderness. It'll change the way that you walk into your situation. When, when the situation seemingly is impossible, you know, I am a child of God. I am loved. And he is pleased with me. He's pleased with me. It'll change your life forever. What if we begin to filter our circumstances with this filter? Every negative comment that comes. Every negative thing that is spoken towards you. You know what? Well, I don't really like you. It doesn't matter because I am loved. Well, I don't really care to be around. It doesn't matter because I am a child of God. Doesn't matter because God is pleased with me. Every lie of the devil, if we just filtered it through this filter, you wouldn't lose your joy so quickly. You wouldn't come into church looking like you just sucked on some lemons. If you understood that I am a child of God, 
He loves me and he is pleased with me. I can't stand being around you. Doesn't matter. I'm a child of God. You don't want to be around me? That's fine. But I would challenge you to write this down. Write it on your mirror at home. Write it somewhere where you would see it every day. I would just challenge you for the next 60 days. Could you do that for the next 60 days? Write it down. If you're brave enough, get a tattoo. Put it on your wrist. you see it the rest of your life. I am loved. I am a child of God. He's proud of me. You say, well, of course, God is pleased with Jesus because he can do miracles. Look at who he is. Look at the circumstance. But we have to make note of where this is in the scripture. And I think it's important because we understand the context. We understand the context of uh, the Bible from beginning to end. We understand who Jesus is. But in this moment, Jesus hasn't healed anyone yet. In this moment, Jesus hasn't raised anyone back to life. In this moment, he hasn't cast out any demons. He hasn't walked on water yet. He hadn't even been to the cross and gotten up from the grave. But the father still said, I love you. You are my child and I'm proud of you. I love you. You are my child and I'm proud of you. Because it's not about what we do, it's about the relationship that we have. It's not about the accomplishments that we have, it's about the relationship that we have. It's about the intimacy that we have. He hadn't done anything yet. It's not about performance. But then when we think about it, this is where a lot of us believers stop. We stop at these water moments. We tend to want to stop at the water. We leave the service feeling real good. And right after the water, there is usually a wilderness. How many know right after you hear the voice from heaven, right after you just got a word and you walk out of these doors or someone, uh, something happened during the week and you know God was in the middle of it, what is the next thing that happens? There's usually something that tries to deter you or tries to sway you to believe that that wasn't him. It's a testing. It's a wilderness. These water moments are followed by the wilderness. There's a good chance right after you hear the voice of heaven that you're likely going to hear the voice of hell to try to take you out. We think once we have the approval of heaven that hell won't try to come anymore. But that's not the case. We see that in the life of Jesus because he is proof that approval of heaven does not absolve us from the attack of an enemy. Yeah. Do you even think that maybe what you're going through, maybe what you're in the middle of right now is because God is pleased with you? you say, well, that doesn't make sense. But it's because he's pleased with you that the enemy is trying to attack. It's because he's pleased with you that the enemy is trying to take you out because right before your breakthrough, the enemy will try to take you out. You say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. In fact, can I tell you, you did something right because God is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. I think about this over the last 
year of my wife and I's life as we begin to talk about this transition with Pastor Dave and Shannon back in March of last year. And there was this incredible moment of, God, I know that you're in this because you spoke to us. God, I know that you're in this because you prepared our hearts two years ago. But then what happened right after that meeting moment? All hell broke loose. Everything that, went, that could have went wrong, went wrong. Everything. You say, well, how do you know it was God? Because everything went wrong. Things you'd never imagine, things you would never picture would even take place in family life, in church life. And how did we know we were supposed to take Kitchener? He said, look at the hell you went through. Some of you know the story, some of you don't. But when God approves of something, the devil takes notice. When God approved of Kitchener moving to the next level, moving forward, moving Pastor Dave and Shannon forward into their next calling, into their next phase of life, the devil takes notice because something great is about to happen. Those are the moments where you feel like all hell is breaking loose when the devil tries to come in those moments. But he takes you from the water to the wilderness. God takes us from the water to the wilderness. John the Baptist, he baptized people in what? Water? He baptized people in water. And when they asked him who he was, he said, I am a voice crying out in the wilderness. He said, but crying out, he said, preparing the way of the Lord. I am a voice in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. What is the way of the Lord? Because he'll take you from the water to the wilderness. That's the way of the Lord. He'll take you from the water to the wilderness. He'll put something in you. He'll build you up. He'll get you to a point, point where you become stronger and then he'll put you in a test. He'll use something to test you. I wouldn't say he'll put you in a test. He'll use something to test you. He'll take you from the water to the wilderness. I understand now the children of Israel, why they had to go through the Red Sea. Because they had to go through the water to get to the wilderness. The water is the place, if you remember, where your identity is confirmed. Pharaoh thought that they were just slaves, but they were loved. They were children of God, and he was pleased with them. Can I ask this question today before we leave here? How are you going to handle the temptations that are, you are facing in the wilderness? How are you going to handle the temptations you are facing in the wilderness? You say, well, I'm not tempted. I'm a believer. You're a liar what you are. Repent. If Jesus got tempted, you have no chance. Even Jesus got tempted in the wilderness. I want you to see here, and I think this is really interesting, and we had an incredible conversation with a couple this week that uh, we're doing some marriage stuff with them as they get married in a couple months. And we began to talk about this. I said, uh, the question that was posed to them was, who, who, sent them in, who sent him into the wilderness? Who sent Jesus into the wilderness? See, I want you to see that the same spirit that, dis, 
uh, descended upon Jesus in the water is the same spirit that sent him into the wilderness. It was the same spirit. Bible says that the spirit led him into the wilderness. See, if the spirit is leading me there, that means the wilderness is not the problem. The wilderness is not the problem. What is the problem then? It's who's waiting for you in the wilderness. Who is waiting for you in the wilderness? See, the devil, he was already there. He was waiting, but he didn't open his mouth until when? After the 40 days and 40 nights. He waited. He watched and he attacked in that moment. He waited. He watched and he attacked in that moment. I heard a story, a crazy, crazy story of a lady that had uh, a boa constrictor. A big old snake. I hate snakes. Even the small ones I hate. They came straight from the pit of hell. So she had this pet snake. And she noticed for a number of months that her snake wasn't eating. And she thought her snake was sick. And so she took her snake to uh, the doctor. And the doctor began asking her questions. Has your snake been eating? No, he hasn't been eating. It's been a couple months since he's eaten anything. And then he goes, okay, interesting. And then he goes, do you sleep with your snake? Odd question. But she goes, yes. He, sometimes I just let him come in bed with me, sleep with me. He goes, okay, interesting. And then he goes, when he's sleeping beside you, have you ever noticed that when you wake up or have you ever noticed him stretching out the full length as he's beside you? She goes, well, now that you think, now that you mention it and bring it up, yes, I've noticed him over the last couple months as he's been sleeping beside me, being stretched completely out when I wake up. And he goes, well, I've got good news and I've got bad news for you. The good news is this, your snake is not sick. The bad news is, he's preparing to eat you. Because the whole thing was, he hasn't eaten because the snake is be beginning to prepare himself and sizing up his meal every night to prepare his body to eat what he's wanting to eat, which is his owner. That's the way he stretched out, trying to size up his meal, trying to get his system prepared enough to take on a very amazing snack. He waited. The enemy waited. He watched and he attacked in the same way. He's waiting. He's sizing you up. He's watching your actions. He's watching. The way that you speak, he's watching the way that you praise or not praise. He's watching the way that you talk in the middle of the storm. He's watching the way. And he's waiting to attack. But I'm going to give you a couple quick things, and we're going to end here, and I'm going to ask Mike to come back up. If you're going to win the war in your wilderness, we need a strategy. Can everybody say strategy? And I'm going to give you a couple quick things. They're not going to be very long at all. First one is this, if you're taking notes. If you're a genius and you just remember everything you hear, God bless you. Give us some of that, please. The first one is this. 
Know where you are. Say, know where you are. We've got a note in this moment when the enemy attacked, it was right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It was right at the beginning of this moment because the enemy loves to battle you at the beginning. He loves to battle you at the beginning of what you're going into, of what you're about to walk into, the next season of your life. I think about this recently as we began to open a business over the last 14 months in Burlington and everything went wrong. Everything, everything that went wrong, went wrong. Couldn't even open, we didn't have a business license. We had milk in the fridge, it was a cafe. Couldn't even open. Everything went wrong that went wrong. We started a business, but we got attacked on everything. For some of you, maybe you're getting ready to start an education or start an education again, and everything seems to be coming against you. Everything that was lined up and was in perfect position seemingly uh, frizzles. Getting ready to start a family. Everything seems to be going wrong. Getting ready to start a family, you believe the lie that you're not ready. It's not really a lie, it's the truth. Nobody's ready. But you just got to do it. But the enemy loves to battle you at the beginning. Some of you wondered why from the day you were born, everything seemed to be going against you. Some of you wonder why the day that you came on this earth, that, 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 that everything in your life seemed to go wrong. Everything in your life seemed to be against you. God, what did I do? God, why is nothing going my way? Can I tell you something? Is because God had something great for you. God has something great for you. And he was, the enemy was trying to battle you at the beginning because he knew where you were going to end up. He was trying to battle you at the beginning. He was trying to take you out. He was trying to destroy you. I think of Quentin. The enemy tried to take him out at birth. The doctors even said, I don't think he's going to be what you want him to be. Would you consider an abortion? It's because the enemy tries to battle us at the beginning because he sees down the road what is going to come. God has great plans. For you there's a season where the attack comes at the end as well we've gotten through the beginning we've gotten through the middle we seem to be right at the end of it all and there's a season where the attack comes at the end we even see this with jesus on the cross said why can't your God save you in that moment he was trying to get him to come off the cross and abort the plans that were set before him abort the mission that he had can I tell you something today you cannot give up today you cannot give up because you're right on the edge of your breakthrough if you're in the middle of it you feel like the end is coming don't give up Keep pushing forward, keep pushing through because you're right on the end of your breakthrough. The enemy tries to attack at the beginning, but the enemy also tries to attack to abort your breakthrough. You're right at the end, keep pushing, keep praying, keep praising, keep lifting your hands, keep 
raising your voice. Don't give up. Don't back down. In the middle of the wilderness season, keep moving. Keep praising. You are loved. You are a child of God. He is proud of you. You are loved. You are a child of God. And he is proud of you. You're right at your finish line. Second one is this. The word is your weapon. The word is your weapon. For every word of attack that came, what was Jesus' response? It is written. It is written. In the water, the word came over Jesus, but in the wilderness, the word came out of Jesus. See, we get this backwards in church because we think we're in the middle of the wilderness. We need a word. God, I need a word to get me through. God, I need a word to get through the other side of this. But in fact, you need the word to come out of you in those moments. And the word can't come out of you in the wilderness. The word can't come out of you in those moments of despair, in those moments of trouble, in those moments of trial, if you don't put it in. You gotta put the word into you. It can't come out of you if you've never put it in. Number three is this, know what's at stake. See, I love Jesus so much. I love him so much because he understood what was at stake. He made the decision with me in mind. He made the decision with you in mind. He made the decision. He knew that with every decision that we were at stake, he died on that cross and he rose again. You have to understand that you're not living your life just for you. You're not living it just for you. There are people waiting to see you come through the other side. There are people waiting to hear the story of how you came through the wilderness, of how you came out the other side, victorious, with your head held high, with your hands raised, praising God through the middle of the storm, praising God in the middle of the pain, praising God in the middle of the trial. The decisions you make today will affect the generations that are coming up. The decisions you make today will be a legacy for those who are coming next. Don't forget what's at stake when you're in your wilderness. And the fourth one is this. This one's pretty simple. You must know where your help comes from. Know where your help comes from. After the enemy tried everything, he tried to get Jesus' worship. He tried to get his worship. He tried to get his worship, Matthew, going back to Matthew 4, 10 and 11. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then at the moment, the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Jesus said at that moment, Get out, Satan! Get out! I know where my help comes from. I know where my help comes from. The enemy wants your worship and he wants your allegiance. He wants you to be quiet. 
He wants you to not raise your hands. He wants you to not open your mouth. He wants you to not worship. Because if he can get your worship, if he can shut you up in the middle of the storm, he wants to try and stop your mouth from worshiping God. He's attacking you to try to get you to shut up in the middle when it gets hard. But in fact, in the middle when it gets hard is when we should be the loudest. In the middle of the trial, in the middle of the trouble is when we should be the loudest. In the middle of the pain, in the middle of the, the situation that we're walking through. Because there is power in your worship. There is power in your worship. You say, well, that's just not there to soften us up so that we give more at the end. No! There is power in your worship. There is power when we come together. There is power when you lift your voice. There is power when you raise your hands next to your brother and sister. There is power in your praise. No matter what you're going through, lift your voice, lift your praise. And don't forget where your help comes from because you are loved. You are a child of God. He is proud of you. Again, if you don't leave here with anything else today, you are loved. You are a child of God. And he is proud of you. Say, I'm walking through the wilderness. You are loved. You are a child of God. And he's proud of you. He's proud of you. God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you, we are your children. The good father watches out for his children. And we say that in these days and a lot of us don't have a great example of what a good father is, but God, we understand who you are. That you are a true father, that you are a good father. And although our earthly example of what a father might be is different, that you are good, that you love us, that you care for us, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, that you are always with us. So God, I just thank you that you love us. I thank you that we're your children. And I know that you are pleased with us. I know that you are proud of us. I know that you love us. So God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website, poemachurch.ca.